0: This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman, and you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at
1: dcaureview.com and on your favorite podcast app. There is an alien among us, a superior being from a place called Krypton. Deep in the heart of the city, he watches for signs of danger. Ready to act on a moment's notice. His true name is Kal-El. You know him as Superman. Maybe you ladies haven't heard about me. The future of Metropolis is in the hands of the Man of Steel. Get up. He's gonna be busy. I said get up. Superman.
0: Welcome, everybody, to episode 263 of the DCAU Review. I am your host, Cal. With me, our other host, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our Twitter page. That's right. It's Liam. 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 We are in a brand new calendar month. Uh, Well, if you're listening to this on the original air date, that is. But uh, if you're listening to this on the day that it drops, we're in a brand new calendar month, which means we have switched things up. We have returned from the future, not back to the future, back from the future. (laughs) And uh, we are in present day. I guess 50 years in the past whatever the past is if we're going in reverse here but uh, we are back with one of uh one of the original series of the dcau and uh, we are tackling some of the final episodes believe it or not of this series and uh, we have an interesting one to tackle
1: today absolutely cal this is a an episode that is mildly infamous within our own household growing up because uh, it seemed to be just heavily, heavily in the rotation of repeats of this show that would air on uh, on Kids WB. So uh, we are, of course, talking about the episode Absolute Power, the return of Jexer and Mala, the Kryptonian villains from the Phantom Zone. I think we just talked about their first episode not too long ago. Um, so uh, getting back out there. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into it. As mentioned, this is a a bit of a an infamous one. I I remembered elements of this as if I had seen the episode yesterday, even though it had probably been at least 15 years since I'd seen it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the aforementioned
0: episodes, if you do uh, have the desire to check them out, perhaps you have not listened to the first Jacks and Mala episodes. We split that two-parter up into two episodes. So that was uh, episode 235 and 236, in the archives uh, at the DCAUreview.com or on your favorite podcast app. But uh, yes, we will discuss certainly the elements of these characters returning, amongst many other things, as we break down today's plot and uh, animation of visuals, music, and voice acting. But before we do that, we will, of course, as we do each and every week, get the official IMDB synopsis for this week's episode, which is called absolute powers we mentioned and it originally aired on january the 16th 1999 which means we uh we just passed the 24 year anniversary of this episode's debut on the kids wb and of course the official imdb synopsis as it is each and every week is brought to you by the pod tower if you like dcau podcast and you just can't get enough head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower where you can get some great podcasts including our friends at watchtower databases podcast jump on the Batwagon. also the entire catalog of the tim talk podcast which covered every single dcau episode um, and they even had bonus episodes talking about additional dc comics and world events as well all available in one place sitting alongside our entire catalog as well. We'd love for you to head over there today and subscribe. Head over to youtube.com slash Tower.
1: That's right. So this is the synopsis for Absolute Power, which was written by Hilary Bader and Alan Burnett, directed by Butch Lukic, with music by Shirley Walker, and animation by Coco and Dong Yang. And that synopsis reads as such... Superman comes to a planet under the control of the Phantom Zone prisoners, Jaxer and Mala, but feels he cannot interfere. Nope. I I
0: don't think they watched the episode. They got <laughs> they watched like the first five minutes of it, maybe the first 10 minutes of it, and then said, All right, I, I think I understand this. I'm I'm ready to write my synopsis and did not did not quite uh did not quite uh finish the episode. So um yeah we can get into we can get into our synopsis it will be quite better than the official imdb synopsis as we uh, we open things up we get uh we get a a a trope that we mentioned, I think at least one other time was used, and that was uh, in one of our favorite episodes of all time. So I had high hopes kicking this episode off. Mm-hmm. We have the Clark voiceover narration of the episode, which was, of course, very important for the episode, the late Mister
1: Kent Liam, which is uh, one Absolutely. of the most legendary episodes of the series. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's it's interesting. There the doesn't really seem to be like a rhyme or reason for why I, you know, I love to maybe uh, maybe maybe we'll get a maybe fingers crossed it's on our vision board. Maybe we'll get to talk to Alan Burnett one day mm-hmm. as a co-writer and we can pick his brain about the, any memories of that. But yes, we we open up as uh, Superman is out in his uh, his refitted uh, sh- spaceship
0: briefly thought just a thought could yeah. it be an homage since this is a bit of a space odyssey a homage to the old star trek opening space the infinite frontier
1: could be yes the captain, the...
0: captain kirk captain's log type thing
1: yeah that's a good idea that's that's a, that's a good shout that that makes us uh, that makes a lot of sense now that you say that um so good call there a black hole a collapsed star so dense that not even light can escape from its gravitational pull. Star Labs had discovered one less than six light years from Earth, and with my ship we had the perfect opportunity to study it up close and personal. Watching the probe being pulled into the gravity well, this was about as up close as I wanted to get. But I wasn't the only one observing it. Yeah, so we have Superman sort of monologuing. He's out in deep space uh, researching a black hole. When he, uh, in in the process of finding it, he he sees another ship who is out studying it. Apparently, get a little bit too close and begin to get pulled into this uh, the gravity well of this this giant singularity. And so he springs into action. And he's just barely able to save the ship, and he takes it down to the closest uh, habitable planet. And uh, as soon as he he puts the the ship down on the sky, not only do all of the inhabitants on the ship run away uh, after declaring that he is one of them, but uh, then he's also immediately accosted by uh, several uh, of the police force of this of this planet. And it's clear this is not a uh, this is not a a hospitable environment for, uh, for Superman that he finds himself in, either from the people he was saving or now this, uh, this security force that's shown up. And we quickly find out uh, the, the what and the why after some action, which we'll certainly talk more about in visuals. He has a pretty good dust up with some of the security forces before he can really face down the whole army. Uh, they're, they're sort of called off. And we see that, in fact, as mentioned in our synopsis, Jaxer and Mala are now ruling this planet. As we find out, uh, we get some exposition later to explain that. But uh, it puts Superman in a the, This sort of introduces the central uh, conundrum of the episode for Superman, where he's uh, he's now facing down these two who are more powerful. They've they say they've been on this planet for a year now, so they're much more uh, formidable to him. And they're also, you know, the, uh, the, the leaders of this entire planet. So he's, he's kind of, uh, he's a bit handcuffed. He can't just, you know, run in fists swinging in this one. Those citizens you so recklessly saved were criminals, anarchists, condemned by due process. Even on your world, you don't interfere with that, do you? Before we arrived, this was a planet in chaos, divided by petty conflicts and factions, Not unlike Earth. We have brought to it the order it needed. Is that a fact? Don't take my word for it. See for yourself, kal
0: Production instead of destruction.
1: Factories where they were once useless forests and wetlands. Workers who now cooperate with each other instead of compete... A job for everyone according to his abilities and our needs.
0: Yeah, it, it 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 is a plot point that I don't recall catching on, I think, the original time these aired as the whole the whole crux of it is, can he interfere? Is this his jurisdiction? And even Jaxer calls that out as uh, as he begins to show some concern, certainly about the area. As you mentioned, we get the exposition that the whole reason that Jaxer and Mawa were freed from the Phantom Zone, where Superman last left them, was this black hole that was being investigated. It's the same black hole that Superman was investigating and uh, the. Citizens of these uh, of this unnamed planet were investigating the gravitational pull of that. Uh, as another ship was investing it, investigating it, caused a rip in uh, an interdimensional portal in between the the phantom zone and uh, and our our dimension, I suppose, which allowed them to be free. And then, as you mentioned. They'd been on this planet for over a year, and in that time, uh, as Jaxer so kindly gives Superman a tour of the facilities, he talks about how uh, before they came, it was a, uh, a, a not-too-different-from-Earth-type planet with different factions and people sectioned off and wars and fights But since they took over as the rulers, they've been able to create order (laughs) and uh, everyone has a job according to their own abilities, which doesn't Mm -hmm. sound at a uh, in in, any type of totalitarian type regime would say at all. Mm -hmm. Um, He also goes through and talks about how uh, how. uh, they got rid of all of the useless rainforests and trees, and built mm-hmm. gigantic factories to build things. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's very, very proud. And he's uh, he's brought morality, reality, and purpose through the educational system that uh-huh. that they are educating their citizens uh, by to to learn the kryptonian or the new kryptonian way as they've dubbed this planet new krypton so uh superman obviously is uh is certainly conflicted as you mentioned uh he wonders to himself, what what type of action he can take. But uh, before he's able to take any uh, Jax and Mala, let them know that they've recovered his his uh, spaceship from the area of the black hole and are, are ready to send him on his merry way. And uh, just as Superman goes to the port, it appears there's no verbal cues, but it certainly appears that he's somewhat hesitant as he arrives at his ship conflicted, thinking about uh, this race of people who are now under this uh, this terrible regime what he can do and just as he's about uh, to get into his ship uh, we get a uh, a reappearance by one of the people that he saved in the ship originally that were terrified of him that being this character uh, Satea, who shows up and uh, she's there takes on takes down one of the security guards and uh, shows decides to show Superman just what is being manufactured at that time. This is what they didn't show you on your little tour. Interstellar ships,
1: manned by robots
0: They're building an armada What are you doing? Activating the guidance system I want to know where these ships are
1: headed here earth
0: why am i not surprised they know we're here uh, i don't think we mentioned it also so the the main two characters the the the, the people that belong to the race of this alien uh, this alien planet is setea who is identified as a um, I think an anarchist or somebody that is attempting to to uh, overthrow the regime, a rebel, perhaps, if you will. And mm-hmm. then we also have uh, Al Terris, who is uh, who is the the main head of security and deeply implied some sort of. Uh, romantic relationship with Mala, also, uh, albeit maybe not one that he is uh, he is thrilled to be a part of. So, Satara uh, show or sorry, Cetera shows back up into and gives Superman a tour of this factory. And uh, the factory reveals that uh, Jaxar and Mala, of course, are not just happily sitting ruling over this planet; they're building an armada. And uh, as uh, as Superman investigates the robot helmed armada he uh, checks out just where the uh, the tracking system is leading these uh, these or is going to be leading the this army and of course it is no uh no strange planet to superman it is of course planet earth so superman gets his idea that at this point uh he doesn't have a choice at this point to leave this uh, this planet and alone that if he does this uh, evil may indeed flourish and come attack him on his own home turf uh, if left alone. So that puts Superman in in quite a uh, conundrum at this point and kind of leads us to our uh, our third act here is uh the uh, we Jaxer and Mala get word of the uh the attack that happened uh on the security guard at the uh, at the factory and uh they have put plans in motion at this point to stomp out any remaining uh, rebellious forces headed headed against them. But uh, the the rebels aren't alone this time. They've brought help.
1: That's right. So uh, so in the uh, in the in the scuffle after after Superman and Sataya sort of find out the the plot to invade Earth. Uh, Superman and Sataya are captured in the uh, in the uh, in the melee, and uh, as as a result, they're they're. <laughs> they get really this is like it's so funny because it's very sci-fi like this whole idea of the black the black hole and everything but also this is like a james bond villain thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) they like strap him to a big rocket and they're gonna shoot him into the black hole mesmerizing of all the phenomena of nature none fascinates me more than a black hole it is the one true force of absolute power everything it touches becomes its own You would admire that. We're within range, Jaxor. Think of it, kel You might actually last long enough to get a glimpse inside the hole. I almost envy you. Almost? Oh! Great Rao! Alterus, what's happening? We've hit a gravitational anomaly. Navigation is off course. We're being pulled into it. Keep an eye on them while we adjust the navigation. Come!
0: A short reprieve at best, Kalel.
1: Plague on you and your self serving treachery, Alteras. My dear Satea, I deserve much worse than that. We have to hurry. It won't take that witch long to realize it was I who disabled the navigation. Uh,
0: (laughs) I like, I like the line. He's like, Superman, you may even live long enough to see the inside of the black. (laughs) He's like, and and Jaxor has this, the whole thing is he has this strange fascination of the power of this Mm -hmm. black mass that's, that's out in the middle of space. And so he, he's somewhat sort of uh, with his vocabulary, worshiping the idea of this, but also taunting Superman. Superman, that you know, his last moments are <laughs> gonna be the deep black
1: nothingness of this of this energy force. Absolutely. So uh, as that is going on, there's a alarm goes off and uh, and and Mala's sort of right hand uh right hand man slash boy toy, Alteras, uh, enters and uh lets them know that there's some sort of malfunction. So Mala and Jaxter fly off to uh to investigate, and at which point we find out that while uh Alteras uh you know, he's not a good guy, but uh he's sort of reached his breaking point with this with this regime that Mala and Jaxer have set up and he frees Superman and uh and Satea, and ultimately uh they uh, they as as Jaxer and Mala realize that the ship has been sabotaged, they uh they notice that an escape pod has been fired off, but there were only two people inside of it. And uh we see that Superman has stayed behind now, far away from the the civilization Uh, he can now finally take these two on in a in a direct fight and uh, we get uh, we get quite a bit of punching we'll certainly talk more about that in visuals and uh, it's actually a pretty pretty exciting exciting deal they're obviously very evenly matched as mentioned they've been exposed to a yellow sun for a lot longer than they had in the previous episodes so they're no longer sort of underpowered compared to superman however in the, uh, the as they continue to fight and the ship is sort of being knocked around it actually begins to get pulled into the aforementioned black hole chekhov's black hole if you will and uh and Jaxer and Mala end up in space they have little breathing masks on and uh, they sort of continue the fight though ultimately Jaxer wants to uh wants to break off because superman with no oxygen will Uh, either get sucked into the black hole or, or simply die, uh, die in his own right. And uh, ultimately Superman's able to sort of bounce back and there's uh, some debris. There's one more escape pod. Mal and Jax are trying to get into it, but then some debris flies towards them hurdles towards them as the, as the giant ship breaks apart and knocks them. And they ultimately, uh, you know, they're hoisted by their own petard here as they (laughs) ultimately get sucked into the black hole and I guess die. (laughs) <laughs> hey, uh, go. We never see them again. Uh spoiler alert. So, uh this is a, this is apparently a pretty gruesome ending for Jaxer and Mala and uh, Superman is just able to get into that final escape pod and uh, takes a big breath of uh, of oxygen and is able to fly away and uh, and we get a little bit of a postscript back on the the alien planet, the new Krypton as it, it was dubbed by its former owners. Although Satea's people were grateful for my help, I wondered if it wasn't I who should be grateful. They reminded me of the saying, evil triumphs when good men do nothing. I won't forget it again. And uh, he, he's sort of given a, uh, given a, a, a commendation by, uh, by this new ruling class of Satea and, uh, and Alteris. And uh, he decides to leave, and we get one last little bit of a uh, of a voiceover as Superman uh, invokes the the quote from I believe it's Edmund Burke uh, or paraphrases it at least, which is the you know all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing, and so that's that's the lesson learned as we uh, we fade to black this week. Stand up to tyranny is what. Uh, hey, that. Hey, just as relevant then as it is now, you know. Yeah,
0: more st- more things change; the more they stay the same. But, um, yeah. All right, Liam. So I guess we can talk talk about our our individual discussion here about the plot. Um, I, I I was a little bit prejudiced, I would say, coming into the episode as we discussed because of the amount of times, and we talked about this right before we we started recording. But the episode debuted in January of ninety nine. I don't know when the last episode aired. We guesstimated probably like first quarter, maybe second quarter of 2000 uh, of Superman uh, Mm -hmm. for Superman on the kids WB. So this really only had maybe, maybe 52 weeks to air on the kids WB and somehow was in super heavy rotation. So I'd (laughs) seen this so many times. Every time that we started the episode off, Uh, You know, you watch the you watch the the credits. Superman punches the gigantic robot and we are ready to see what episode is coming on this week. And it's the freaking black hole episode. Like, (laughs) oh, my gosh, not again. Um, They loved running this one. So a little bit prejudice against it because I did not like it then. And I would say that I like the idea. I mean, I think the idea of Superman being conflicted. How far does his jurisdiction go? Can, is he the Superman for Earth? Is he Superman for the United States? Is he Superman for the galaxy? You know, is he mm-hmm. Superman where regardless of where he goes? Does he have the obligation to step in and fight evil? I, I think that's an interesting concept and certainly is an interesting uh, idea to discuss, especially when it comes to Superman, who we've talked about a lot is j- just the inherently good character that um wants to do good wherever possible but also realizes that he's only one being like he's one man so what where does overstepping those bounds come come in and it's interesting because this this comes this comes before you know some of the uh this I this could have played well I would say around the 2001 to 2004 era when the mm-hmm. United States is getting involved in uh in in different wars or starting you know starting different conflicts with different countries in the name of doing good for the people there um I mean it's it's a repeat of what happened I suppose with the Vietnam War where we're gonna mm-hmm. The country is going to involve themselves where did where is the line drawn where should u.s put their own soldiers and time and money and resources in where mm-hmm. what obligation do we have so all that is very interesting and i think superman as, representing that that uh that idea is is fascinating but i i think the i think there was a little bit of failure to execute as far as the actual episode was concerned, because it feels very boring at times. It felt very rushed. Like we just covered that whole plot in like 10 minutes. <laughs> our plot synopsis are like 20, 25, 30 minutes sometimes. So yeah, um, it f- feels very rushed. And I think that Superman ultimately. Stepping up only because of Earth's potential vulnerability in this. Yeah. uh, makes it feel a little bit cheap i guess i don't know what do you what are your thoughts on this you're the you're a big superman guy i know that you you love the the psychology of the superman character how do you think this fits into what you perceive as the the superman you know characterization
1: yeah like it yeah i i think putting him in this situation is interesting for all the reasons that we, that you just mentioned that we've certainly talked about before, especially in the, in the JLU episodes with Superman, you know, when should he act when, when he can do everything that he can do, you know, why doesn't he, you know, stop dictators? Why doesn't he disarm all of the nuclear warheads on the planet? Well, he actually, he has done that a few times, but, (laughs) but point being like, what, you know, when, why is he so sort of selective? Why does he sort of, You know, why is he content to just sort of be a fireman putting out the dangers as they arrive, you know, as they arise rather than, you know, looking at the root causes of some of these issues. So I think like it's it's an interesting puzzle to put in front of Superman. And I think as we've talked about with that JLU arc, which we've, you know, sort of slowly but surely been working our way through, that's not really a concept I think you can it's not a bite-sized concept, right? Because there is no easy answer to that question. And so that's one of the reasons I think that that Cadmus arc is looked back on so, you know, fondly by, by ourselves, by pretty much everybody who listens to this show, anybody who, who loved, you know, who loved these characters uh, because they took their time to tell a, a very long form story that, that explored these themes as it stands, yeah, it's, he's he kind of has his handcuffs. They 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 give some dialogue of like where he says, you know, if I if I fight them, it'll cause more destruction than any war your planet has ever seen. He tells that to Satea. and it's just I. But that so he's gonna leave like until he, as you said, like until he finds out that they're gonna come to Earth. And even then we don't really know what he's going to do because then they get captured. It seems like he's going to stand and fight. But yeah, there isn't that moment where, you know, it's sink or swim. The tide is turning. He has to make a real choice. Ultimately, the choice is sort of made for him by this. And so when he gives that, you know, the good men, you know, evil triumphs when good men do nothing line at the end of the episode, it's like, well, you were going to do nothing. Right. Precisely. And, and, and the part of it is supposed to be he learned a lesson of like, you know, stand, you know, stand up for what's right, even when it's hard, uh, you know, st- always stand up for, you know, for the the downtrodden and, and the people that need you, even when it's not easy. That's sort of the point of the episode. I understand that. But how he arrives at that is still like it doesn't feel like he ultimately made a moral choice to stand up for the oppressed so much as he, his hand was kind of forced and also it became a preemptive thing rather than maybe him trying to find a way to like trick Jackson Mala to leave the planet so that they could fight and he wouldn't have to worry about the destruction or something, something where he sort of has a bit more like uh, more agency and more of a direct effect on how it is as it stands he gets captured, and then they take him out into deep space, where he can punch them without blowing up the planet. So it's like not not a lot of it comes down to choices he makes, right? Other than ultimately, I guess he stays behind to fight them instead of just escaping, um, on the uh, on the on the escape pod at the end. So yeah, like I said, I think as we've talked about, this is a very worthy concept to talk about with Superman, and you get you get the it's the old meme of like you got the right answer, but I don't understand how, like, uh, like on the tests. Right. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we got to the right, he makes the right decision. Ultimately he does save the day. He does stand up for the, you know, the oppressed, the downtrodden, but only kind of by circumstance and happenstance. And that's, I think what kind of lets this episode down. Um, so like I said, I, I like, I like the overall idea of it a lot more than I think I loved the execution of it. Correct. Um, so, for for all those reasons, I ended up with a a five out of ten for my plot this week. I don't think it's a terrible episode. Like I said, I think there's there's something interesting there, and in the you know just the idea of of Jackster and Mala getting out and sort of building their as they say their vision of what Krypton could have been. That's a cool idea, and then putting Superman into a conflict where he can't just punches way out of it is always is always fun and interesting and to again as we said sort of tug on these these strings these ideals that have upheld this character for 80 some years now it's a fun idea it's just to me the the execution it's a the the whole is less than the sum of its parts i guess yeah yeah
0: i'd say that's that's fair um What I don't what I didn't like about it, especially when you break it down compared to where we left Jaxer and Mala in the previous episode, they are clearly a major threat to Superman. Mm -hmm. Um, They have the same exact power set. They there are two of them where one is Superman and Superman finds out that they have somehow somehow Jaxer and Mala return and to borrow a colloquialism (laughs) and he's just going to be okay with leaving them there even though this planet may be far away from earth he's just going to leave them he's just going to leave them there regardless that's where it didn't make any sense to me because even if you don't even if you don't think that like morally you have the obligation to step in to save this alien race from being ruled by this by these dictators don't you why didn't it come to your mind that they w- are at some point going to seek revenge you threw them into the <laughs> like you've you sent them back to this place that is a torturous dimension and right. when prior to doing so they were a gigantic threat to you they they were trying to take over the world they and, were
1: and jacks are specifically a vendetta against Superman's family, <laughs> like, right? Jarrell is the one who put him in the Phantom Zone in the first place,
0: right? So, you do you think like, why would you? Was he just gonna like, he like, if there was dialogue that said, like, well, we'll just live to fight another day, or I need to regroup and think about this, or there was some sort of, I don't know, realization that this wasn't the uh. Like, if he has this realization on his own, like, but like you said, it's all circumstantial. It's based on the fact that somebody else shows him that they can't be trusted, makes it feel silly because he already knows they can't be trusted. We've seen the whole episode where he tried to reform Mala and her bloodthirsty lust for power led her to to freeing Jaxer. So we, we already, we've been down this road. So if this was two new Kryptonian characters, maybe I think that it would be different. Like, I think, I think that's maybe where the disconnect is. If you didn't reuse Jaxer and Mala, you have two different alien. Let's just say it's another set of aliens, or maybe it's a, You know, it's two new Kryptonian characters that somehow escaped the the Phantom Zone. Okay, you could do that. But because it's these characters that he already knows that he can't trust, makes it feel very dumb of him just to go, well, I'll leave them alone. They're not going to do anything all the way out here um, with this entire planet at their disposal. They're they're just going to they're just out here. Sorry, can't do anything. Got to go home. Like it just it doesn't logically make a whole lot of sense based on what we know about Superman. Um, And again, it's it's not as if they tried to appeal to the idea that he's like, well, they've turned over a new leaf, because it's very obvious that even though there are quote unquote positive things that may be happening for this planet, that Jaxer is trying to convince Superman, it's he like he should not believe it based on the fact that they are still ruling this thing with an iron fist. Like they're, they have not, they're not even pretending to be good. They are dictators. (laughs) Like it's obvious that they are. So yeah, all for all those reasons, I ended up giving it a four out of 10. I think that there are just some, some big flaws. um, And it's, it's, some of it is also the reputation that we have that unfortunately proceeds both uh you know mr burnett and miss bader both can write fantastic stories both legends mm-hmm. of the dcau both of them working together it seems like it should come out with a really great product and i think there are just some unfortunately some big plot holes in the in the story in the overall so had to give it a four out of ten uh d- despite maybe having having the the dna the 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 bare bones of some good thoughts and some interesting storytelling devices. I think it just, at the end, it, it ended up being a bit of a mishmash.
1: Yeah, because like I said, I think this, yeah, this concept has just been explored in so many better ways across, even just in the DCU, even it's not a universally loved episode, but like War World, for instance, mm-hmm. where, where Superman's kind of thrust into a similar situation where he's, you know, he's not going to be able to just have a fist fight to solve that, you know, to solve that problem. Whereas we just talked about the whole Cadmus arc, like there's, you know, there's so many episodes even within that or, or episodes of, or or issues of comic books. There's a, you know, a pretty recent story called up in the sky by uh, Tom King and Andy Kubert. That's totally focused on the idea of Superman kind of struggling with what his jurisdiction is. And should he, you know, should he get involved in this one scenario in order to, you know, and potentially leave Earth unprotected while he deals with this? Like, it's like these are very interesting, heady concepts for a character like Superman. But uh, the way, like I said, it's it's just too condensed. And like I said, I don't I don't feel like ultimately the choice is made for him rather than him choosing to act heroically. He's sort of thrust into it and doesn't really have a choice. Um so that's ultimately where it falls down. And I don't know. I guess this is kind of a plot thing. Also, at this point, I guess nobody, the Kryptonians can't fly in space. <laughs> they can do so many
0: things in different situations. Sometimes they can breathe in space mm-hmm. without without masks. Sometimes they can't. I guess this planet didn't allow them to fly. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah,
1: everybody's just kind of like floating, like even at the end when when Superman uh grabs the uh, when he gets into the escape pod, he has to like he like gets sent off careening into space and then he like hops off of an asteroid to get back to it. So and I know like the the space suit that he wears has like little rockets on the on the boots, but it never occurred to me that those were like the only way he could fly in space. And also because later on he can just fly in space. Right. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, when the plot calls for it, I suppose. Right. Exactly. All right, Liam. Well, let's move on to our next category, which, of course, is going to be visuals and animation. And interestingly enough, I believe Coco and Dong Yang were the ones that were attributed this uh, this episode. However, uh, according to the DCAU wiki, Tokyo Movie Shinesha Co. LTD did the black hole effects aside
1: from the, the uh, Dong Yang and Coco animation. So uh, yeah, that was definitely some TMS stuff. I don't God bless Coco and Dong Yang. I don't think they were pulling that off. <laughs> so we have uh we have three different uh three different tans in the
0: proverbial pot here. And uh and certainly some interesting things uh, when it comes to the setting, because we are in a more sci-fi stylistic uh of a, a place here with an alien race and an alien planet uh, what stuck out for you as far as uh, as the visuals and animation are concerned
1: yeah it's interesting the design of this this sort of new krypton planet and almost i think the the architecture of the backgrounds of the buildings it is kind of like a a hybrid of like metropolis and krypton which i think is kind of cool mm-hmm. Like it's this very modern you know sleek uh, the the term the the term coined was ocean liner Deco mm-hmm. for the look of Metropolis and that sort of combined with the, the more sort of uh, triangular uh, uh, and and sort of rougher shaped buildings that we saw on your own Krypton in the in the show's pilot. i I like the look of the planet. the the race of people where we don't, we don't really ever get whatever their original name was. They all have this like very deep reddish skin. And kind of sort of, you know, very kind of, you know, the uh, uh, Alteris at least has this very, like, very square head. And, you know, these kind of like, everybody's kind of got like military haircuts and mm-hmm. and everything like that. So I kind of, I, I like the overall look of it and the way it sort of, you know, maybe melds two worlds together and, and the sort of modernized version of, of Krypton that, that Jaxer and Mala have built. Um, I like the the design of like the ships and everything that we see is 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 pretty cool as well. I didn't notice any direct. It was funny. we talked about this being sort of a Space Odyssey episode. There isn't like a lot of direct um, Star Trek or Star Wars homages that I could find, other than there is a moment at the end where Superman sort of rises up on this little platform to uh, to confront. Uh, Jackster and Mala, which uh, felt very uh, right out of Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, there. There's uh, less, uh, less overt references. We, uh, we were trying to pinpoint if this was a uh, like a specific, you know, pre-existing DC alien race that they were using. Hmm. um and they don't they don't call them like daxam or any of those or any of those uh you know those fun dc worlds that pop up once in a while mm-hmm. they do look or at least uh alteris looks very similarly i think design wise to sinestro we were talking about this absolutely uh, before we came on the air so perhaps that's a here's a fun little dcau fan theory maybe this is a Sinestro's home planet of, I believe it's Korrigar is is where he's from in the uh, in the comics. Mm-hmm. We don't really know anything about his uh, at Sinestro's life pre, uh, in Brightest Day when he shows up in Superman in a couple episodes uh, from now I think in the, in the air date order. So uh, yeah, that was that was our little fan theory. But yeah, I like the design. I like the overall look of the of the planet they're on and the ships they're on. And then as as mentioned, uh, TMS's work on the black hole itself especially at the end when this the ship is being kind of sucked into it and it's being sort of elongated and it begins to break apart and using sort of different animation techniques because some of them you have sort of the painted still image just moving slowly across the screen but then it begins to expand and, and stretch and in, in these very uh, wacky ways and kind of anytime anything goes into the black hole is uh i think incredible like an incredible feat of animation especially for the era
0: no, I I agree with you. I think I think the standout definitely is how the how they animated the black hole. I love how everything sort of s- stretches out and then immediately, so it looks looks elastic almost. It looks like a Plastic Man type or mm-hmm. a Mr. Fantastic type effect where everything elongates, but then especially with Jaxer and Molly, you have almost like a a flushing toilet effect, where they also sort of just start of start, uh, you know, moving around in circles and rotating. In so it it it's a it's a very odd looking uh, visual, especially for these two human characters to be sucked into this black hole. But the animation team clearly had a ton of fun uh, when it came to deciding just what this would look like if humans or spaceships or what have you debris fell into a, you know, got sucked into a black hole. Uh, so yeah, definitely the, the standout there. Uh, we talked about it before we started recording also, but, uh, maybe some, some Star Trek, uh, nods with, uh, with the way that, uh, Satea looks, um, she has sort of the Vulcan pointy ears type uh, thing. It's hard to tell if it's part of her, part of her tiara or part of her actual form but could be you know we're in a sci-fi space odyssey you can't can't do that without having uh, homages to uh to pop culture sci-fi so um i would also say the uh a glaringly obvious one the medal ceremony at the end for superman could also mm-hmm. be an homage to star wars um i think you mentioned there's a Brief homage as Superman uh, reveals that he has hung back in order to take on Jax and Mala. Uh, there's a, a, a he comes up through the floor in an elevator. Uh, you had mentioned that uh, that's a uh, could be an homage to to Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, where there's a very similar shot of Luke Skywalker ascending uh, on the planet. Best So, yeah, there's some there's some definitely some interesting visuals. I will say um just <clears throat> just as we've talked about before uh you kind of expect more easter eggs and things kind of snuck into these uh these big alien planets or using some of the more established dc comics lore in order to uh you know to kind of give a wink and a nod and it felt like maybe they didn't do quite as much here same thing with like a if you're doing a space odyssey you would want to have more overt homages but Uh, they sort of, I think they resisted the temptation to do that and kind of did some more original stuff, but, uh, the, there is some violence. We don't get as much of a violent fights as we did in the first Jaxer and Mala episodes between Superman and, uh, his fellow Kryptonians, but we do get a closed punch to the face of Mala in their first, in their first little fisticuffs. And, uh, there is some fighting that occurs uh, a little bit later on, as we mentioned in the ship, as it's breaking apart, But uh, yeah, I I think that the standout probably has to be the uh, the 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 black hole, how that was animated. Unsurprisingly, TMS did just an absolutely incredible job with it. Um, But uh, yeah, super, super fun. I think the the other thing that I had that stood out when Superman is uh, initially saves the the uh, rebel ship and is bringing it back to the planet uh, as we mentioned, he sort of gets attacked by some additional ships. And so there's a chase scene where he's being chased down. There's a uh, one of the ships shoots a fireball at him and he punches it right back into the into the weapon it was a pretty, pretty fun visual there. But yeah, um, I, I would say I think the I think the uh, lack of having either direct uh, a lot more direct homages to the the sci-fi genre or uh you know some of the dc comics lore may have may have underwhelmed me a little bit uh when it comes to the visuals but i still ended up giving animation and visuals a, a strong seven out of ten
1: yeah i went just one point higher i went eight out of ten i think i i put a lot of that on the on the work of the uh of the of that that final sequence with the with the black hole i think it's just immaculate and uh yeah just the visuals that they they didn't go with like the real trippy kirby like purple purple yellow orange space that it's like mm-hmm. you know it's you really get this feeling which they, i mean they talked about it like you said in, in the plot of jacks are kind of being fascinated by this you know unrelenting force of this black hole just this kind of cold utter blackness and you know there's kind of like this really dark cool color palette to that final sequence that I think really, really works well with how they've set up this black hole as this, you know, this unstoppable force of, uh, of nature there. So I think I I really loved the, the way that was all, that was all set up in, in the final sequence. And yeah, I think it's a, a really, really solid job by, as we found out, uh, apparently three, three of our studios kind of working in tandem on this one.
0: Yeah. That, I mean that kudos to them also, because we've also seen where sometimes where, Uh, Animation studios don't work well together. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think there are from scene to scene, you can Superman's model varies a little bit depending on which scene it is. I did notice some some scenes he looked a little bit more skinny. He had the uh, the skinnier model of Superman in some of them. We didn't ever get the quite big buff version that we sometimes get Mm -hmm. uh, in, in some of the Superman animated episodes. But um so he was he was pretty on model but there was some variation. However, we've talked about it before where multiple studio the more animation studios you get involved, the less likely it is to seem like a cohesive piece and uh it it didn't seem like a uh, a disjointed malfunction at any point. So kudos to uh to all three studios working on this. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category which is going to be music and
1: i who's who did our music this week (laughs) it's uh none other than the late great shirley walker herself on uh on the call this week
0: there you go all right so shirley walker responsible for this week's music and uh Yeah, I didn't have a I didn't have a ton. I will say I think she leaned into the Space Odyssey type sci fi Mm -hmm. theme uh, as we get sort of the introduction of Superman in the opening scene with the voiceover. Um, We get the Superman, the classic Shirley Walker Superman theme does come in as uh, as he saves the saves the day with the ship, uh, the initial ship that was headed into the into the black hole and then rescues it. And then uh, we we get further Superman theme played in sort of a minor key later on, as he reveals that he stayed behind, uh, the space odyssey theme sort of plays as the outro also. Uh, so, you know, it, the elements of those particular themes, horns and the, you know, the, the bells and the xylophone and stuff like that certainly pull through on this. But, um, yeah, I, I think, I think there wasn't one, a uh, particular moment that I felt that the themes really stuck out other than uh, maybe the intro and the outro as, as with the the Tim Daly narration over top of it, I thought that, that fit it well. And again, we talked about at the top that maybe this was an homage uh, to the, that Star Trek, you know, captain's log type mm-hmm. intro. So that was a very important part of that. That was a, the music that played underneath of that was an important part of making that feel uh, you know, grand in the way that it was done. So I think it it does a good job here. I I didn't think that there was one part that necessarily stood out, though, as like a real impactful moment. Uh, but uh, solid music all the way around. So I went with a six out of ten.
1: Absolutely. So I actually went with the exact same score of six out of ten for. Uh, yeah, basically the the reasons you you touched on there. Yeah, I th- I think there is sort of a a bit of a you know orchestral John Williamsy feel to that especially i think the final act sure uh but yeah there isn't like a you know a traditional you know through-long episode theme other than of course the you know the superman theme popping up as you mentioned there but there is i think there's there's sort of a, a an attempt to sort of replicate that sort of you know space space opera music a little bit at the end there but uh yeah nothing nothing super standout, but uh but yes, uh, another unsurprisingly another pretty strong and solid outing from uh from Ms. Walker.
0: All right, Liam, let's take it on home with this week's episode with our final category, and that of course is going to be our voice acting. Uh, we of course have some returning villains, so that means some voice actors and actresses that we've talked about before. But uh, not a huge cast for this week, since we uh, we we take place on another planet without our normal cast. So uh, let's get into breaking down this week's voice actors and actresses and uh, their corresponding performances.
1: Absolutely. So really, other than of course uh, Superman himself, it's a it's an entirely uh, guest cast. So we will break down some uh, some pretty familiar names here. Uh, Carl Lumbly, of course, very <laughs> not a not a voice that's uh, that's hard to notice. Uh, playing all terrace the super distracting right hand soldier. Yeah, he's just talking like Martian Manhunter. Like it's <laughs> it's not like I mean this. Yeah, you know, obviously this came out years before he was the Martian Manhunter, but it is just really really funny that he's absolutely that he that he's there. But yes, as the uh, as the the right hand soldier uh, slash concubine of, mm-hmm. of Mala in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's, I mean, obviously he's always he's always great, but yeah, like I said, it's just a little bit distracting with uh, with, with it just being so obviously Carl Lumbly. But uh, elsewhere we have uh, I, this is a pretty fun name. Jennifer Jason Lee um, as Sataya who I don't think she was a huge name at the time, but she's gone on to star in things like uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino's Hateful Eight. Mm. And uh, she was in uh, the show Weeds uh, for for a long time as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot more memorable roles in like the last 10 or 15 years for her. So it's always fun when those those names that went on to become kind of bigger names in, in Hollywood sort of pop up earlier in their careers. Uh, like she, she probably of, of the guest cast other than our villains gets the most to do. Again, I don't because as we talked about, this plot is so truncated. She's kind of has to be the one that does the the emotional appeal to Superman and also the exposition to explain that you know there's more going on here. I think she does a solid job, but ultimately doesn't get like a ton to work with either. Yeah, it's weird.
0: I, I mean, I think maybe most famously, and it was a little bit before both of our times, but she was in uh, she was in the the cult classic uh, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Also, mm. so yeah. you cast somebody that had so much notoriety like that. And there were times that they did that where, where Andrea Romano was just like, yep, this is going to be the voice that we're going to cast. And it's, they're not going to have a ton to do, but it's a notable name. Um, You know, I, I sometimes wonder if that was used as a way to kind of get word of mouth around for, you know, Hey, this is so fun. Even if you don't have a ton to do go work with Andrea Romano and the guys doing this show. Um, Or how much of it was just, hey, we think this would be really great. We have a great relationship with so-and-so's agent. So we're going to bring them in for this for this piece. So, yeah, it is very interesting that a name like hers was brought in for such a generally a minor role. Uh, for it's an important role to the story, obviously, mm-hmm. but not a not a ton is re- required of her. Uh, so y- you wonder, did stuff end up on the cutting room floor that we didn't know about? Was there, you know, was there thoughts that maybe bringing her back in fu- in a future role, she could come back and do something else as a different character? Who knows? Uh, but yeah, she she doesn't have a ton to do, so it's hard to judge. But uh, I don't think there there wasn't anything that I thought was bad, poor, or or uh, hurtful to the, to the, to the episode overall. So I would say she did
1: a fine job. Absolutely. And uh, elsewhere in our cast. So we have returning, we have Ron Perlman as Jack, sir. And uh, we actually have a new voice voicing uh, Mala this time though, with a, a fun twist on it, as uh, we have Sarah Douglas providing the voice who uh, probably most famous to folks who listen to this podcast played uh, ursa in the first two chris reeve superman films mm-hmm. uh the right hand uh of uh, of general zod in those movies <laughs> uh and i think she does a, a fine solid job my my only issue is that mala was not british in the first episode and now she is yeah yeah
0: and, and i mean it's it <laughs> different choice. She had different choice that we're going to just pretend now that she's British. And uh, I guess they liked her enough because they eventually she came back and played queen in two of the mm-hmm. episodes of Batman Beyond. Also, That's So right. her, her performance did she was again. We talked. I just talked about this a minute ago. Maybe it's like, hey, we like you for this man. She did so great. We're going to bring her back and do another role later on. Um, But yeah, it, it is a little bit distracting that all of a sudden she's now now very British, but it wasn't bad. She didn't. She's she's British. What are you gonna do?
1: Like right. She, no, she, right. She yes. Yeah. It was. just It was just. It, it raises right. interesting questions about. Is it like second time in the Phantom Zone you become British? Like when maybe is that?
0: Got the accent from maybe it was like a local accent. You know, maybe <laughs> her time at New Krypton. She, she she
1: spent a semester abroad and now she correct.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like how Madonna all of a sudden was British. <laughs> She's just like, yeah, I'm gonna be British too now that I've picked up the accent of these people that were that were ruling. I love <laughs> it. I love that idea. <laughs> She's uh, just
1: putting it on uh, to make yourself feel more important. I love that idea. But absolutely. yes, we have uh, we have as mentioned Miss Douglas and the returning Mister Perlman as Jaxxer. and then of course the great Tim Daly as Superman. Yeah, I don't think anybody does a bad job by any means in this episode but I just uh I just don't think there's like a a standout moment I like the the narration choice as mentioned is always kind of a a fun and unique uh, way to frame an episode so maybe a a little bit uh an extra thumbs up to Tim Daly for that but uh you know I feel like again like we kind of talked about I think the actors were maybe a little bit let down by the material they were given this week so uh you know i ended up with a a six out of ten for my voice acting score
0: yeah i gave it the same exact score for that reason and as you mentioned it's not a reflection of anyone doing poorly it's not a reflection of there being any bad performances it's just I I think some of the dialogue is a reflect a reflection of maybe the plot, and there wasn't a lot that was given. I think that they do take a break from the narration, sort of in the middle, so we don't get as much Tim Daly. Um, it's more of him reacting and and uh, interacting with uh, Miss Miss Jason Lee's uh, Um Yeah, we and as we mentioned, Carl Lumbly. It's one of those things that you just can't unhear. Like you just unfortunately it's the same thing with uh with his performances on batman beyond as the stalker like you just you can't unhear it like it doesn't mean it's bad it does it, it's a great voice he has a great voice it's why he gets cast cast later on in the uh injustice league is one of the 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 original seven so yeah it's it's just unfortunate that you can't go back and unhear it like you just can't it, <laughs> it is what it is so yeah it's our scores are definitely not a reflection of Poor performance it's just there wasn't anything that stood out as like a great moment you don't have this moment between ron perlman and tim daly uh, you know of a, uh, of a, uh, uh, you know if you're doing space odyssey and you're doing this this particular type of story why not have tim daly pay homage to william shatner screaming con you know you have him come out and scream mm-hmm. jackson <laughs> <laughs> something You know, as a as a brief homage. But again, they stayed away from some of the the more overt homages, I feel like, for this episode. So that reflected in our scores of being both having six out of tens for our our voice acting. All right, Liam. Well, that will begin to wrap things up here. So let's total everything up here and totaling every uh, all of my scores up. I end up with a rather ooh,
1: middle of the road less than middle of the road 23
0: out of 40 what about you
1: yeah and i'm uh, i'm just a couple points higher at a 25 out of 40 uh rewatchability it is a returning villain it is the end of the jackster and mala characters they don't appear again um ever right. so it, it it's weird because i guess it like you can say it's it's a recurrent a returning villain but also they had such a definitive end in the first episode that you know they just come back and then they're defeated again like right and we never see them again so it's kind of like the if the tree didn't fall in the forest right when anyone, anyone need to watch this episode uh i don't know like it's, it's <laughs> that's hard like i i i, I didn't I didn't hate this episode right. but it's just not it's not particularly compelling and there's not really anything else in the series that hinges on, on this plot. And it's, it's fine, but it's not, it's not really anything that I could ever see myself going, going back to or needing to go back to whether you're looking at episodes for their importance to the overall TCAU or even just their importance to the individual series that we're covering. I just, I don't really think this one fits the bill for either of those. So I think this is this might be a skip. I am confident in saying this is a skip for me as (laughs) well.
0: I'd say you brought it up a very good point. This topic, this exact like conundrum Superman faces in World World. So we know that there is another episode if you and that episode also, as you mentioned, is not loved by a lot of people. However, if you're (laughs) interested in seeing the, this particular idea, topic of getting involved in a political, unfair political regime and Superman's obligation to fighting for truth and justice wherever he goes, not just the American way, but truth and justice in every – and the rest of humanity – uh, then watch that episode. I think that episode does it a little bit better. There's more action. There's more interesting things that happen uh, in that particular episode than I would say than this episode. Also, I would say that, as you mentioned, Jax and Mao have a pretty definitive ending. If I didn't know that uh, they came back in this episode, I don't think I would care. I think that they get sent to the Phantom Zone and that is where they live for all of eternity. Uh, but this one also... And, and this kind of also does provide provide a extreme definitive answer for the or ending for these characters where they can't ever be brought back again. So you'd have to jump through a whole bunch of hoops to try and bring them back again. So and it's it it didn't feel like it was quite worth it based on based on the episode that we got out of it. So all those reasons I say, yeah, it's a it's a skip for me. All right, Liam, let's begin to wrap things up here. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget, we would love your support for this podcast. And uh, we appreciate so many people that do, whether you interact with us on social media, if you subscribe to the podcast, if you have left a five-star review for us. uh, Thank you so much. Thank you for doing so. Thank you to our supporters, also people that have bought merchandise, people that Uh, subscribe to the podcast with their hard-earned dollars and uh, allow Liam and I to buy a couple cups of coffee each and every week uh thank you so much you guys are so incredible so uh we, we thank you if you'd like to join them in supporting the podcasts we'll run through uh, check out the show notes there's a link to support us monetarily if you want to do so right there there's also a link uh, to our store you can pick up a piece of merchandise and that also supports us you can also follow us on social media at dCAU review both on Twitter and Instagram those are the main ways to interact with us tweet Liam uh, we had some great interactions about last week's episode some of the Easter eggs that we missed Uh, we had people that were kind enough to share some things that they picked up on so uh, that is the main way to talk to us you know let us know things that we missed do you feel like that uh, maybe we're missing some homages Easter eggs or maybe we just missed out on appreciating this episode as a whole uh, as a black hole Uh, send us (laughs) that was a good one sorry couldn't low-hanging fruit couldn't resist Send us your thoughts at DCAU review if you're on Twitter, or uh, we have people that send us uh, messages on Instagram each and every week and interact with us, share their thoughts each and every week. So we appreciate you uh, in any way that you choose to interact with us. We love hearing your thoughts, even if they disagree with us. We appreciate it. Uh, And then last but not least, of course, subscribing on your favorite podcast app. If it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a five-star review. On Apple Podcasts, you can leave one of those little blurbs. Even if you've left one before, they let you leave multiple reviews that helps us people read those It bumps up the algorithm gets more listeners that helps us out a lot also don't forget if you're listening on spotify check out these show notes because there are spotify exclusive polls and questions of the week that you can interact with us do that as well and uh as we mentioned at the top of the program head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower and subscribe there like our videos that is another way to support us. Liam, we are sticking with uh, sort of the Superman theme for the rest of the month. But before we do that, we thought we'd take a, uh, take it a week to be uh, in true synergy with the Warner Brothers Discovery brand. Uh, Even though we are not affiliated with Warner Brothers Discovery, (laughs) we talk about a product that is uh, is directly related to Warner Brothers Discovery. It is their property, in fact, and uh, they have uh, a separate property that uh, we thought we'd try and uh, create some corporate synergy with with uh, our next week's episode. So uh, let's let's talk
1: about what exactly we'll be doing uh, to celebrate that next week absolutely so of course we are the that that flash movie is allegedly finally coming out after all <laughs> these, there's still a couple of weeks it could still get pulled but uh, it does appear that it is about to hit theaters and uh this sort of marks what appears to be the uh the end of this uh this current wild and weird uh regime of of dc films we thought we would look at a uh, a more i think universally beloved version of the flash that being the, of course, the DCAU version. So, next week on the show, we will be doing another one of our classic character spotlight episodes, volume one of a look at the Flash. DCAU's Flash, of course, being Wally West, uh, from his first appearance in Superman the Animated Series all the way through to the end of the first season of Justice League. And, of course, with those character spotlights, we'll also talk about. You know, little things like toys and tie-in comics and everything as well. So some fun stuff to cover, and I can't wait to get to that for The Flash character spotlight next week. Another one of those
0: big ones that we will talk about it will be multiple volumes. So, uh, yeah, Volume 1 is going to be uh, a fun one to take a trip down memory lane. It's been a while since we covered uh, Speed Demon, so reviewing that and then talking about uh, some of the other uh, interesting appearances of The Flash himself and the DCAU can't wait Liam it's gonna be great but until then I'm Cal and I'm Liam we will talk to you on the next
1: episode of the DCAU review bye-bye